1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll begin reading in verse 48. 1 Samuel 17, verse 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistine saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now fast forward with me to the next chapter, chapter 18, picking up at verse 1. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him, speaking of David, and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. We'll stop there with the reading. Again, this is, these chapters, verses chapter 16 and 17 are so familiar that sometimes we read over them and, and even in our daily reading and so many messages you've heard from as a, as a child growing up. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. It's referred to so many times, especially when we come to face trials in our life, that there is no giant, there is nothing that we cannot overcome with the help of the Lord. Would you agree with that? And that message has been preached so much and yet it is still relevant today. What is, what is there in the word of God is relevant for us today. And no matter how many times we hear it, we still need to be reminded that we will face obstacles. We will face trials and yes, we will face giants and everybody's giants are different. But irregardless of it, we will battle them. But we are victorious through the same way David was victorious, he said, I come to thee in the name of the Lord. But so many times, and this is what the, the, the thought of my message is tonight. And here's the challenge I have with this scripture. There's a reason why Goliath is mentioned. And there's a reason why Goliath is mentioned in this passage in the, in the time of David's life. We know David in, uh, in chapter 16 was the anointed king of Israel. We know he was the second king of Israel, but I believe he was God's first king because the people chose Saul, but God chose David. And we know the story in chapter 16, how he was anointed of Samuel uh, by, uh, to be the king, but yet he was sent back to his father's flock to take care of the sheep. But here's the challenge that I have. And here's what maybe troubles me some with people that live for the Lord. It seems to me that people will speak very negatively toward the trials they face and the giants they face. Insomuch that they curse the trials that come their way. And you say, well, Brian, why wouldn't we? 
Why wouldn't we want to curse the giants that come our way? Why, why, why is, why are you saying that it's good to face battles? Are you saying it's good to face giants? What I'm trying to tell you tonight is sometimes there's a reason why giants show up. And you'll find that if Goliath did not show up in David's life, David's life would have turned out much differently. And you'll find that sometimes, I think people want heaven on earth. And if we want heaven on earth, then what is there to go to heaven for? One of the reasons I want to go to heaven is that I won't have to battle giants anymore. But while I'm going to heaven, I will face giants. I will face battles. And sometimes we need to learn to refocus how we face giants and how we face battles. Because sometimes, yes, because of sin and the consequences of sin and the consequences of our wrongdoing, we will face things in our life that we bring upon ourselves. And so many times we need, when we, when we face trials, the first thing we need to do is say, Lord, have I done something to bring this upon myself? Right? And if we are clear with God, if our, if our conscience is clear, if there's no sin on board, if we have not done something to bring that upon ourselves, then we must ask God, God, why is this giant in my life? Why am I facing it right now? And what are you trying to teach me through this battle? I want you to notice some things tonight about this David and Goliath story that maybe you've never thought about before. I certainly hadn't until God revealed it to us. Number one, I want you to notice this. The giant in David's life revealed his faith in God. The giant in David's life revealed his faith in God. You'll see in verses, in chapter 17, verses 26, 36, and 45, every time Goliath is mentioned concerning the children of Israel, they are always scared of him. But anytime David mentions Goliath, it sparks his faith. Every time Israel speaks of Goliath, they are afraid. But every time David speaks of Goliath, it energizes his faith. And may I ask you this question right at the very beginning. When you face a trial, are you afraid or does it ignite your faith? When you face a giant, are you scared of what the outcome is going to be? Are you scared of the trial ahead of you? Or does it ignite your faith in God? Sometimes you never know what's inside a person until Goliath shows up. And until this time, I'm preaching right now, until this time, all we see is David as a meek and lowly shepherd out in the pasture field. But then Goliath shows up and we see where his faith lies. He understood and he knew that his faith rested in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it wasn't until he faced a giant in his life. And some of you will never know what it means to exercise your faith until you face a giant. And sometimes we need giants in our life because we don't understand really how strong we are in the Lord when we face a Goliath. Amen. Amen. Now, it's no wonder that Israel was afraid of Goliath. 
because in verses 4 through 11, we see the, the description of Goliath. In verse 4, we see his appearance. He was a champion. His height was six cubits in a span. He was nine feet, nine inches tall, as most scholars would agree. And that's his appearance. In verses 5 through 7, we see his armor. He had a helmet. He was armed with a coat of mail. He had uh, every, every piece of his body was covered with armor. And then verses 8 through 11, we see his attitude. Have you ever thought about this before? Goliath's main weapon wasn't his sword. It wasn't his armor. It was his mouth. Goliath never drew a weapon. The only thing he used was the weapon of intimidation. That was his main tool, was his mouth. And so David said, <laughs> he said, listen, all I see is an uncircumcised Philistine. You see this giant of a man who all he is doing is intimidating you with his words and with his attitude, but all I see is an uncircumcised Philistine. Well, why, why could David see that and Israel was afraid? I'll tell you why. Because there was something on the inside of David that he learned about God in the pasture field, uh, tending his father's flock. There was something on the inside, but it was not ignited until he met Goliath. Amen. Sometimes you never know what's inside you until Goliath shows up. Our pastor said so many times, and it bears repeating, a faith that has never been tested can never be trusted. And some of you, I don't mean to be, uh, I don't, I don't mean to be cold-hearted, uh, and I, I guess I'll be blunt with what we're ready to say. But some of you, I wouldn't ask you to pray for me. Because I can't ever tell if your faith's ever been tested. But you know who I'm going to ask to pray for? Those that I've known is going through some stuff. Those that I've known have faced giants and have come out on the other side. And they can stand bold in their faith. You see what, you see what it did? It ignited a confidence and a boldness within David that wasn't there before. Why did it do that? Because he finally faced a giant. And it revealed his faith. It revealed a boldness. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. Why did he refer to Goliath as an uncircumcised Philistine? That's, that's kind of weird, isn't it? I never really thought about that before. But as I was, I was pondering on that, there's a reason why he called him that. It's a reason why it's in the Bible. An uncircumcised Philistine. That means he wasn't under a covenant. He was an uncircumcised Philistine. That means he wasn't a part of the covenant of God. But David knew because he was circumcised and because he was a Jew that he was a part of the covenant. So this wasn't a battle of contact. It was a battle of a covenant. And David knew that he would be, oh, I'm preaching right now and you don't even know it. David knew he would be victorious because he was covered by a covenant. <laughs> wow, glory to God. Isn't it wonderful going into a battle knowing that we're already the victor, knowing that we've already won. Hallelujah. You'll never know that until you face Goliath. Amen. 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 
it revealed his faith, but it also revealed his fight. It revealed his fight. In verses 38 through 41, Saul tries to equip David with armor, right? We, we, we all remember that, right? There's, there's an argument going back and forth. And of course, David, he's bringing grilled cheese sandwiches down to the field. I just say that because I'm implanting a seed. That way when you get home, you'll want grilled cheese sandwiches. Preachers have a way of doing that. <laughs> Velveeta, that's the only cheese there is. Anyway, I, I, I got, I'm doing a Mike Blanton here. I'm getting caught off on food. <laughs> so, you know, he goes down there, he's got the cheeses and he sees this Philistine. Everyone's afraid. David said, I'll, 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 I don't care. I'll go to him. I'll, I'll fight him. He's uncircumcised. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So Saul says, okay, if you're going to do it, I'm going to give you something to help you fight this battle. Now notice, notice this. And Saul armed David with his armor. Now, 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 now read this really carefully. And put a helmet of brass upon his head and armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. Now, now, now read verse 38 again. He put a helmet of brass upon his head, and he armed him with a coat of mail. If you go back to verse 5, speaking of Goliath, it says, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. You notice any similarities? Saul was trying to equip David with the enemy's weapons. He was trying to use the weapons of the enemy to fight the enemy. And David said, now you listen right here real good. This is what revealed how he was really gonna fight this battle. It revealed his faith, but it revealed his fight. He said, I'm not using the weapons of the enemy because they haven't been proven. You know what he was saying? They ain't gonna work against that enemy because all we're doing is matching up to what he's already got. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll stick with what I know has already worked for me. Mm. I'm preaching real good right here and I need some help on a Wednesday night. Amen. He said, I'll stick with what I know works for me. I'll stick with my staff. I'll stick with my sling. And I'll stick with my stones. They work for me out in the pasture. And they'll work for me against this giant. Why? Because he knew where his fight rested. His fight wasn't in the, his weapon wasn't the staff. His weapon wasn't the sling. His weapon wasn't the stone. He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord. When are we going to realize it's no wonder why the world, excuse me, the, the church has been silent. And it's no wonder why the church has tried to fight the world. And it's not, we're not winning. You know why? Because we're using the world's methods to fight the world. 
When all we need to do, I need some help right here. When all we need to remember, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why change what's already worked? I'm not going to use the enemy's methods to fight the enemy. I'm going to use with what's worked for me for 47 years. And guess what it's been? It's been the name of the Lord. Why stop now? It's worked before and it'll work again. Somebody say amen. I'm busy preaching. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. He said, if it ain't broke, I ain't going to fix it. I'll just use this staff. I'll use this sling. I'll use this stone. Because see, what you don't remember is not too very long ago, I killed a lion and a bear. (laughs) Do you know what he was saying? He's saying, I've faced enemies a lot worse than this right here. And every enemy I've faced in the past has designed me to fight Goliath that is in front of me. Hey, I just missed a great point to shout. Every battle that I've ever fought in the past is preparing me for the Goliath that stands in front of me. Hey, remember, folks, take what you've learned. Take what victories you've got in the past and fight Goliath that is standing in front of you. If you haven't understood what I'm saying, there is no enemy too big that you can't look back in your past and remember what God has delivered you from. Amen. Are we in church tonight? I'm pouring my guts out to you and you're looking at me like a dog looking at a T-bone steak. Come on now. I asked for something special for the cream of the crop. And God's giving it to us tonight. You are the best. You're the cream of the crop. Act like you're in the house of God tonight. I'm thankful that the battles we face are nothing when it comes to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It not only revealed his faith and revealed his fight, but it revealed his future. Revealed his future. All he had was a staff. All he had was a sling. And all he had was a stone. And what happened was this. See, that staff was a shepherd's staff. And that shepherd's staff was a sign of authority that he had over the sheep. Hallelujah. And when Goliath showed up, it really revealed what God was doing with David all the time he was in the pasture by himself. Everything that David was doing out in the pasture field, tending his father's flock. You see, when he was anointed, listen to this, in chapter 16, we find out how God feels about David. Because he anointed him. But in chapter 17, because he faced Goliath, we find out how David feels about God. He was anointed. But you notice, he went right back to the pasture. So from the time he was anointed until the time 
he killed Goliath until the time he was on that battlefield, what was God doing? God was working on him all by himself. In that isolated time underneath the stars and underneath the clouds and underneath the sun. Out in those times when he was playing his harp and God was giving him songs and songs, you know what he was doing? He was preparing him for that time when Goliath would meet him face to face. What man had neglected, God was perfecting. When his family and his daddy neglected him, God said, I'll perfect him in the pasture. And God was preparing him for his future. And then the verse that we read in chapter 18, verse two, basically it says this, when he finally killed Goliath and he cut his head off. David always knew how to get ahead, didn't he? It's a, it's a, it was a wave, it was a wave. <laughs> he took that head and took it back to Saul as a symbol of his victory. It was a win for David, but it was a win for Saul as well. But notice, we, we read over it and we don't realize what's going on. Verse two of chapter 18. And Saul took him that day and would let him, know, let him go no more home to his father's house. You say, Brian, why is that important? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. David never went back home. God had finally allowed him to be in the place that he anointed him to be. But the only way he got there is Goliath had to show up. God has anointed each of us with a future and with a perfect will and a perfect place for us. But sometimes it'll take us facing a Goliath to get to where he wants us to be. No doubt this was the greatest victory David ever won in his life. It wasn't the last, but it was the greatest. Why? Because Goliath the victory of Goliath propelled him to the place that God anointed him to be. Don't curse Goliath. God may have it in place just to propel you to a brand new future. David never went back to being a shepherd again because God anointed him to be a king. Why live with the sheep? when God says you can wear a crown? Why live and take care of the, of the flock whenever God says, I have a throne prepared for you? Here's the problem. We're comfortable with taking care of the sheep. We're comfortable with doing the status quo. I want victory and I want God to use me and sometimes we pray that and I really don't think we understand what that might mean. 
Sometimes the greatest victories come right after the greatest Goliaths. So this battle you're in right now, this Goliath you're facing, I tell you what you do, let it ignite your faith. Don't be afraid. Let it ignite your faith because you're covered with the covenant, with the blood of Christ. Let it renew your strength and renew your fight. And may you understand it's going to take you to a brand new future. Because once you get over Goliath, you'll never go back to the way you were. There's a life we can live of victory. And it starts when we face our giants. There's a blessing in Goliath if you look hard enough.